The following content is provided to you as a ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a high-adventure Christian wilderness camp in Andrews, North Carolina. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters exist to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through the exposition of Scripture and personal relationships in order to equip the church to impact this generation. For more information, visit our website at swoutfitters.com or follow us on Twitter using the handle at SnowbirdSwo. Enjoy the message. So we're going to get started. We're going to talk about personal Bible study. And this goes, al- goes along with what um, Spencer was just teaching about when we we're talking about assurance of salvation. And that is that we need to be growing as believers. If you're a Christian, right, the thing that will help you the most in having assurance and not doubting is to be continually growing. And for me, I realized this when I was my senior year of high school. I can remember being at a kind of, a, at, we used to call them youth rallies, where you would go on a Saturday and you'd hear someone, we'd play games and have a band leading worship and then someone would preach. And what happened was there was a guy that was preaching and it got to like the invitation and it was a super emotionally charged invitation. And he was saying stuff like, you know, if you are doubting your salvation at all, then you're not a Christian and you need to get saved. And I mean, he'd say stuff like, it's, if you're 99% sure, you're 100% lost. If it's better to be saved twice than lost once. And I remember, yeah, well, it was terrible. Because I mean, like this is like a serious like emotional manipulation and I started like really doubting my salvation and and I remember I can remember being in a situation like Spencer's talking about I remember like being in bed at night and just freaking out thinking God if I'm not saved just save me if I'm not saved just save me right and I can remember in that moment there was a turn this is a turning point in my life because I really felt the Holy Spirit of God was teaching me in this moment and said, you know what, look in the past. Like, you can, here are things that I've taught you. Here, here's the times where I've convicted you of sin. And I, at that moment, I realized that, okay, maybe if, even though I don't, might not feel it right now, but God has been, te- he's been, he's been acting to me like a father treats his child. So one of the things that I want to challenge you guys with this morning is that we need to be reading and studying our Bibles and for you and your growth and especially for you to have a firm foundation to to decrease doubt and increase assurance is to study the Bible and write down what you're learning. And it's and so that as you're writing it down, you have a frame, you have a you have a frame of reference, you have a point of reference where you can look back and be like, okay, this is where God is teaching me stuff, this is where God is convicting me of sin. Because that is what God does with his children. If God is treating you as you as a son or daughter, then you are his son or daughter, and you can have confidence in that. And this comes from studying the Bible. So here's the thing, like for a lot of us, okay, some of the stuff I'm going to say this morning is just the way we treat any other book, right? We need to study the Bible, but we don't need to have some sort of weird, 
like stigma that comes to comes with us from the Bible. Like there's a lot of people where we, for some reason, we treat the Bible differently in a bad way than we do any other book. Surely we need to treat it differently because God is the author, but it's still a book that's written to us in the language that we can understand. And let's remember this also. Remember that when we have the Bible, the Bible is not just one book, but it's actually a small library of 66 books. Okay, all written by different people at different times, at different occasions. We need to keep that all in our mind. But then we need to treat these individual books like we would a normal book. I mean, think about it. If someone gave you a book to read, which you guys should be reading books, it's helpful. You'll be smarter. And, uh, but if someone gives you a book, your first instinct is not like, huh, this is great, thanks. Let me see where to start and just open it up. I guess I'll start reading right here. No, you don't do that, right? But for some reason, like, that's completely appropriate when we're looking at the Bible. Like, I don't know where to read. I'm just going to do the Russian roulette form of Bible study. Wherever it lands, I'm just going to start reading right there in the middle of the page. Right? I mean, have, you, have any of you ever done this? I've done this. Yeah. Well, it's, why would we do that? Right? That's not the way you treat books. Like as if like every verse is just a whole new idea. Doesn't have anything to do with what came before it, what comes after it. Just, just going to start reading because I'm supposed to. All right. So because for here, here's the deal. For most of us, if you're a Christian, you think stuff like, man, I'd really like to have a word from God. I mean, I've felt that way. I wish God would speak to me. And the good news is he has. And this is what's crazy The Bible, like I said, 66 books written over like 1,500 years from 40 different authors on three different continents, three different languages, all telling one amazing story, right? And it's crazy because this is an ancient book that was completed like 2,000 years ago on the other side of the planet, right? But it still speaks to our hearts, to our lives, to every aspect of our lives every day. Isn't that amazing? Have you guys ever stopped and thought about that? Do you know anybody else that every morning is waking up thinking, this is an ancient document written to people on the other side of the world. I'm going to see what it has to do for me today. Right? No, that's what's crazy about the Bible. And the reason why the Bible is timeless like this is because it's written by God for us. In fact, if you read in the book of Hebrews, it's really cool. The author of Hebrews will say a couple times, the Holy Spirit is saying which is awesome because he's quoting from the Old Testament and it doesn't matter who the human author is, the authority is from God, so the Holy Spirit, and he has it in the present tense, as in right now, we have God's word speaking to us. And, there's, and let's think about that. A lot of times we look at the, we, in Christianity, we use terms that are really loaded terms and we don't think about what they're saying because how many times have you been in church and someone says, well, if you open up your copy of God's word too, and in your brain skips from the words God's word and you just say, oh, he means Bible. But no, no, we really do mean God's word, right? So when, we, when you say, man, I'd really like to have a word from God. I really wish God would speak to me. The amazing thing is, is that he has, and we have it recorded for you today, the creator of the universe that we've been talking about, the sovereign God over all things, has spoken to us in language, and we can understand it. That is amazing. All right, so when we think about um, 
studying the Bible, remember the goal in studying the Bible is to become more like Jesus. So what you need to do is you need to read and ask God to speak to you through his word and then treat it like you would any other book. Start at the beginning, work your way through, pay attention to context. And so what I want to do is we're going to talk through, like, how do we do this practically? Because you need to understand that just like you think that your words are important and someone should pay attention to what you're saying, imagine we have words from God to us and every word is important. We'll be talking about that. So, you know, you can ask questions of the text of the Bible. Ask questions, dig into it and say, okay, as I read this, let's then step back. What does this say about God? What does this say about me? And what does this say about what my response to God should be? All right. So let me give you a framework for looking at the Bible. All right. When we look at the Bible specifically, sometimes the Old Testament can be really confusing, but we need to understand that the Old Testament is all about Jesus. We know this because Jesus told us. This is one of the coolest stories in the Bible because it's after the resurrection of Jesus, but nobody know he, nobody knows that he's resurrected at this time and he's walking along the road with two of his disciples who he's this is also really cool. He's blinded them a little bit so that they don't recognize that it's him. And then they're really sad, right? Of course they're sad. They tell Jesus, it's so funny. They say, are you the only person who doesn't know what's happened in Jerusalem? See the irony, right? Because he's the only person who does know what's happened in Jerusalem. And he says, and it's awesome because Jesus is so kind. He's just really patient. He asks his questions. He's like, oh, what things? And they're like, you don't know about Jesus? He's, we thought he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. Well, they've had, a, they've had a misconception of what the Messiah is. And so Jesus says, oh, foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary, right? That the Christ should suffer these things and then enter into his glory. What he's saying is the reason why you don't know what's happened right now is because you didn't understand the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament tells us that the Messiah, the Christ, is going to suffer and then he's going to enter into his glory. And right now, you guys saw the suffering that threw you off because you didn't understand the Bible. And then what's super cool is then he walks through all of the Old Testament, Moses and all the prophets, that's shortcut for all of the Old Testament, and he explains in them the things concerning himself. How cool would this be? We're talking about like an autobiographical Old Testament survey taught by Jesus. That's awesome. And it's instructive for us because we can realize that all of the Bible, especially the Old Testament, is about Jesus. Now, it's all about Jesus, but in different ways, and that's where we need to do some of the hard work, right? The Old Testament was always pointing towards a salvation that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would bring to the world, both Jews and Gentiles, and that this would be accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. So we see hints of that through the Old Testament so that they could see a little bit ahead of them, just a little bit ahead of them but now as we can look back we can see the full picture like in in uh, in genesis 3 we see a kind of a uh, we have a framework to see all of the bible about because in genesis 3 this when adam and eve had sinned and god is cursing you know um, mankind the ground and the serpent he then in his amazing grace gives us a promise right he says we see that in, in 315 genesis 315 that he's going to send someone who's going to be born of woman who's going to crush the this the uh, the serpent's head 
How awesome is that? And then we see the unfolding of that all throughout Scripture, all right? This provides a context for all the Old Testament, and we don't have a ton of time to go into this, so let me give you two examples. One, Rahab and Jericho. You guys all know the song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. 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 You guys know, you don't know? Go to Sunday school, guys. Come on. Anyway, and the walls came tumble. You got it. Yeah. Anyway, so there we go. You learn a lot from that. Oh, no. And so what's crazy is in this story, right, you've got Rahab, who's, who is a pagan prostitute. But she shows faith in God because he's the God of the world. She recognizes that, and she puts her faith in him, and God brings judgment against those people and gives them the promised land and opens the door for this pagan family to come in. Right? So this is, we're seeing this. This is that God is providing a salvation to Jews and Gentiles, right? Through, through faith in him. Then also, we look at Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, anybody who reads Isaiah 53, they read it and they think, oh, this is about Jesus. I mean, it's so clear. Yeah, it's about Jesus. Jesus was this suffering servant who was going to take our sins and be resurrected. We've got pictures of it all throughout the Old Testament. And now when we look back, we can see, yeah, this is about God. And it's just, and we know then, right? What does it say about God? He's good. What does it say about us? That we're sinful, but we can trust him. We can put our faith in God. All right, so some, some helpful hints. Um, we need to, genre, you need to pay attention to the genre of scripture. You guys do this automatically, right? If you're reading a fiction book, you treat it differently than you do a textbook at school, right? We automatically treat um, different genres differently, and we need to understand that from the Bible. So the Bible has, um, the Bible basically has, has three different um, Uh, main genres that are used you've got narrative which is like telling stories so we need to see how is God acting in this and then poetry is heavy on figurative language which is important because figurative language is supposed to be taken figuratively I know that's crazy but we don't think about that because some people are like oh well we take the Bible literally but even in taking the Bible literally you need to understand its use of figurative language, all right? Very important, right? Because when you, when, you, um, when you read poetry or you listen to a song, they're using really picturesque language. It's not, it's not supposed to be taken literally, right? Does that make sense? Because it's poetry. And then we've got discourse. Discourse is basically teaching. And then we've got prophecy, which can kind of have all three of those. And we need to learn, especially in narrative, to, we need to understand the difference between description and prescription. What I mean by that is that when we're reading through Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, in narratives, right, we need to realize that this is describing what's happening, not necessarily prescribing it, which is why we have a lot of people that we would call heroes in the faith, doing despicable things, right? David is an adulterer and a murderer. Now, the Bible's not saying you should do that, right? He's just describing the things that have happened. And then especially when we get into actual teaching, that's when we get more of the prescription, this is what you are to do. All right, that's the introduction. We're flying, great. Now, here are the two steps of what I really wanna get, um, I wanna talk to you about. This is really simple, Two things, practical steps you want to study the Bible. One is you need to read all of the Bible all of the time. And then number two, you need to be reading, I mean, be studying one book in depth. All right? And if you do this, this is what's crazy. You don't get in a hurry. Right? Don't get into a hurry. 
Your goal is to grow and be more like Jesus. And if God gives you 50 or 60, some of you 70 more years of life, you want to be continually growing that whole time, right? So right now, it'd be really easy for you to get a little overzealous and be like, I'm going to go back home and I'm going to read the Bible through every day, right? And then you'll get burnt out. That's not the goal. The goal is to slowly grow in your relationship with the Lord, become more like Jesus. (coughs) All right, so two things. One, read the Bible all the time. This is super practical. Get on a good Bible reading plan and stick to it. I think you should get on a plan where you read through the Bible every year. What? That's impossible. I can't read through the Bible every year. You really can. Here's the deal. So, in reading through the Bible, if you read slowly, like I do, I'm a very, very slow reader. When I read, I read, I actually read slower than I talk. I talk way faster than I read. I read so slow that most of the time when I'm reading, I'm either reading out loud or I'm at least whispering what I'm reading. This is how I read. Now, if you're going to read through the Bible, if you want to read it out loud, it'll take you about 71 hours. I know that seems crazy until you realize that means about 12 minutes every day. Right? If you're thinking what's overwhelming, I can't read through the Bible every year. Yeah, you can. It'll take you 12 minutes a day. Every one of you has 12 minutes in your life that you're wasting every day that you could be getting God's word through. And when you're reading it, like, don't get hung up on stuff, right? If you're, if you're like, oh man, you know what? I kind of, I checked out, I missed part of that. That's fine. You're coming back here next year. Just keep reading. Just don't get discouraged. Just keep reading all, just the whole Bible every year. Just read. And here's the deal. Like what I've done is I, I follow a Bible. I've been following the same Bible reading plan for about five years now. And it's called Through the Bible in a Year. I know. Very creative. And I read Through the Bible in a Year, right? And I've, you can download if what I've done that's the easiest for me is I've downloaded the ESV app application on my smart telephone. And there's about a dozen different Bible reading plans and it will keep track of your progress. It's, I read something from the Old Testament, something from the New Testament, and something from the Psalms every day. And it's so easy. It's so easy that even if you're thinking, oh man, I've got a smart telephone. But I just don't know if I have 12 minutes to sit down in my super busy day. Well, it has a little, the little arrow button and you can push it and it will read it to you. And you can have story time where someone reads the Bible to you every day. And in less than 12 minutes a day, you're going to be reading through the Bible. Awesome. You need to do this. You need to get on because then you're getting a whole picture of everything that God has revealed to us because it's all important. It's all God's word. All right. So now, so that's going through all the Bible all the time, step one, and then study one book in depth. All right. So this is my, this is my um, counsel for you in studying one book in depth. You need to pick, if you've never studied a book of the Bible, like really studied it, pick a, pick a, a smaller book, one of the New Testament books that ends in like Ian's, one of the letters of Paul. All right. Super easy. All right. With these books, you can read through them in like 15 minutes 
And one, I mean, you can sit down and read 15 minutes, you're through it. All right, so I think you should say, pick one New Testament book. And I said, so let's say Colossians. The reason why that is, is because this spring, um, from, you can go on the Snowbirds website, and we uploaded a guided Bible study through the book of Colossians, and we are releasing videos that are like three-minute videos through one verse at a time every day that you can, all, you can access that. So that's why I said Colossians, just because it's easy, because we've got some helps for you. All right, so you need to get a Bible, Get something to write on and something to write with. Pick a, pick a book, right? Remember that you, there's 66 books in the Bible. Pick one of those books and then, let's, and then just start going through it slowly. And I said, I'm, I mean slowly. There's no reason to get into a hurry, right? So for the first week, week one, read through the whole book in one sitting and write down what you're learning. So Again, like I've said, this 12 minutes is gonna, it's going to take you to, read, to do your Bible reading. And then this is another about 15 minutes. So you're still talking 30, less than 30 minutes a day. You can be reading through all of the Bible and studying one book in depth. So read through it for the first week. Read through it every morning and write down what you're learning. It's that easy. Read through it. At, so that way you get a good bird's eye view. Okay, this is what's happening. I've got a good idea of where he's starting, where he's going, what's going on, what kind of themes, and write those down. Like, oh, he said assurance like three times. So he said it here, here, and here. Let's write that down. He must be teaching us something about that. Or, you know what I mean? Just write down, pray, ask God to teach you, read through it, and write down what you're learning. It's awesome. Asking those questions. What does this say about God? What does this say about me? What does it say about my response to God? And then week two, start with the first paragraph. That's right. And then every morning... Read through one paragraph, the same paragraph the whole week. Read through it slowly, asking questions about it. What is, how does this apply to me? And write down what you're learning. I know you're thinking, but this sounds really easy. It is. It really is. And what you need to do is you just need to not stop. Don't stop. And you, what you'll realize is that the more you do it, the more you learn, the more that God is teaching you, the more that he's making you more like Jesus, the more he's changing the way that you think, which is changing the way that you act, and the more that you enjoy it. And you'll think, man, but I just can't get up in the morning. I don't have that time. But if you continue to do it, you will. And you might be thinking, man, I don't know what to do. Sometimes I just don't feel like it. That's okay. Do it anyway. Right? These are part of what we call the spiritual disciplines. Just like, you know, for a lot of you, if any of you play sports, there's a lot of times where you're thinking, you know, I just don't feel like doing sprints right now, which is exactly how I feel always. I've never, never once in my life have I thought, you know what would make me happy? Sprints. We used to call them suicides. Now they call them line drills. Does that make anybody happy in the thought of it? If so, you're demented. But you know what you love? Being done with it. Because at the end of it, you're like, okay, this is making me a better athlete. And my challenge to you is if you're going to get up and study your Bible, this will make you more like Jesus. That's the goal. And then just don't stop. In fact, there'll be times where you'll be writing stuff down. You might be thinking, oh man, I feel like God's really teaching me something from this. Good. Then share it with somebody. Maybe talk to a student pastor, pastor, godly man or woman in your life. Look at, this is what God's teaching me. Great, awesome. Then share it with others. All right, here's some helpful hints. We're closing down. Context is so important. It's important. That's why if you, if you do, if you can get a study Bible, study Bibles are great. 
Um, sometimes because of how the commentary that they have in it. But what the, for me, the most important thing about a study Bible is that introduction at the beginning of the chapter. Because that introduction will tell you, okay, this was written by so-and-so at this time to this people. Like, it, it, for instance, if you're studying in Colossians, right, which you should, you've got free resources, why not? This was written by the Apostle Paul at about 60, the year 60, that's right, A.D. 60, and he's writing from prison. Well, that's really important because he's going to be talking to them about suffering and not getting discouraged. Yeah, from jail. So if anybody has a right to say, don't, don't get discouraged when you're suffering, it's someone who's been put in jail for preaching the gospel. That's really helpful to understand. It's also helpful to understand that you know, these are predominantly Gentile believers, although there's some Jews there, and it looks like maybe some Jews are trying to get them to go back to Judaism away from Christianity. That's really helpful, and it'll give you a good con- give you an understanding of the context that was written in, and not just context historically, but literary context. What, what did he say before this verse? What's he saying after this verse? How does that all fit together? Really important. Ask questions of the text. We already talked about that. And then pay attention to every word. Right? The reason why I'm saying you should, take, you should read one paragraph at a time is so that you intentionally, it makes you slow down and think about every word. Think about what every word means, especially think about these connecting words, like it'll say therefore, or because of, or since, or for this reason. Well, it's showing you a logical connection in there, right? Even like we talked with the guys yesterday, it says, you know, if you have been raised with Christ, okay, that's important. If this is true about you, then this. So pay attention to those, right? And pay attention to verbs. Now I've gotten super nerdy right? You need to pay attention to them. What tense are they in? Is this active? Is this passive? This is really important. Well, the reason why this is so important is, is because God is the author of this, of this book, and he, in no word, like even, Jesus even tells us, he says that you're going to give account for every idle word, and what we need to understand is that God doesn't have idle words. The scripture says that no words of the words of God fall to the ground. Everyone's important, and I'll give you one example of that, and then we'll wrap up. Every word matters. There we go. Look, Jesus made a huge point about proving that there was a resurrection from the dead using the tense of one verb from Exodus chapter 3. What? Yeah, okay, you guys remember this. The Sadducees, now remember the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in anything supernatural. So they confronted Jesus uh, talking about this uh, kind of an old Jewish law. And, and they gave him this question trying to say, oh, there is no resurrection. So he answers their question, and then he says, oh, but as far as the resurrection from the dead, you guys know in that passage about Moses, G- God says that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so God's not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Okay, so what he's saying is, he, if you look back in Exodus 3, this when, uh, when God says, I am, present tense, I am currently, right now, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So if God is saying, I am currently the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that means that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are alive to God somewhere. Where's that? In the resurrection. And so Jesus makes this huge point, and then he slams the Sadducees and says, oh, you guys just don't know the Bible. Isn't that crazy? Most of them would have had Um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy memorized verbatim. And he says you don't know it, not because they didn't know the words, but they didn't understand it. And that's where what we're called to is we're called, and this is important. When we're studying the Bible, we're not just studying the Bible so that we can pass the test on what Colossians 3, 2 says. We are studying the Bible so that we can 
hear from God, apply that, and be, and be made more like Jesus. And my challenge to you is get on a good Bible reading plan and stick to it. If you do that, I mean, from the time where you are, where you are now to where I am, you could, be, you could have read through the whole Bible 20, 25 times. Man, that'd be awesome. I wish that I'd started this earlier. And then, so read through all the Bible all the time. Study one book in depth. Take your time. Write down what you're learning. And just don't stop. Don't stop. And it will make you more like Jesus. And then you'll be a more effective believer, more effective Christian, and a light of the gospel in your community.